0: Center and coming in as Lube, Hillenbrand, center net. and got scores. Patty McDonald and over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. And he's stopped by Markstrom from point blank range.
1: It is put in the win column. Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! This is Flame Stock with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour underway on a Tuesday, March 7th. It's Steinberg along with you as we welcome you to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit Safe. Com. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We kick off this hour by saying hello to our NHL insider. It's time to check in like we do every Tuesday with Frank Zaravalli from Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank joins us now. How many now? Um, have you had since uh, Friday's deadline has passed
2: uh, unfortunately just one
1: just the one hey and,
2: and it was right after like I just I went right up from my studio in the basement right up to bed
1: well you uh you deserved it you did yeoman's work leading up to the deadline and it was uh can you and and I know that you've done this for for a while now but can you remember a lead up to a deadline and then deadline day so on and so forth as as active and as busy as that week and a bit was leading up to Friday?
2: No, I don't even think it's been close. This It was legitimately unprecedented in activity. And it wasn't just volume. It was also consequential pieces. Like these were bigger name players, impact players that were on the move. Mm-hmm. And it was like one name after the next day after day. And unfortunately, it kind of left us with an actual deadline of a day because it wasn't (laughs) that exciting. And it's not because teams didn't want to improve or there was a lack of players out there. Most of it was due to the fact that teams didn't have anything left. They don't have any roster spots left. They don't have any holes to fill. They got out and did their shopping early. And it... It kind of, um, in an odd way, it kind of set up pretty nicely for a team like Calgary, which was just kind of, you know, moving around the margins, trying to find a small piece or two that could help their team without paying too much.
1: Well, let's go there. How, how do you evaluate the two moves they made? One kind of uh, really around the margins, American League deal, at least on the surface, and then that four-player deal in the history setter against the Arizona Coyotes, the Ritchie Brothers swapping places.
2: Yeah, when that uh, brothers trade popped into my in- my inbox, like when I was ready to blast out the details, I was in such a hurry to get them out. I was like, I'm pretty sure they're brothers, but I don't want to say <laughs> that they're brothers and look like a moron, maybe they're cousins. And so um, that was certainly caught me off guard. Um, but in essence, Pat, the Flames did exactly what I told you they would do like three yep. weeks ago, yep. which was wait until... You know 245 eastern and and make a deal that isn't going to cost an arm and a leg that they think could maybe just potentially give them a better chance and look part of it is is also just to move connor Mackey on to greener pastures like yes the, that kid was daryl sutter's whipping boy all year long and they they had to get him out of there had to get him somewhere like not many players I bet are thrilled to get traded to Arizona. I bet you, he was over the moon.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, I was really happy to see as soon as I saw because I think the news first filtered out that the Flames were getting Stetcher, and I and thought I knew to as myself as soon as that
2: happened, I was like, okay, Mackie's
1: gone, and that's what I was hoping. I'm like that. It seems like because we had talked a lot and there had been a lot of uh, kind of speculation about yeah, you know, th- they should and probably will move Mackie before the deadline. So you thought, okay, they they made the AHL player swap a few minutes prior, Stetcher coming in. Yeah, Mackie should probably be. Part of that package. I'm, I'm happy that he is and and having the opportunity to deal with him on a daily basis here, Frank. I I, I couldn't yeah. reiterate that. He's a it's really a shame really the way good the season's kid. unfolded
2: for him. Really I think is. the Flames actually really liked him heading into the year. And in fact, you know by their choice of Mackie over valamackie that they they had some pretty high hopes for him.
1: Yep, 100 percent And uh now both guys just happen to be plying their trade with uh, Andre Turney's team in Arizona. Um so that was, you're right. It's exactly what you said you, you thought they were going to do, in that they would kind of work on the outside, build on the fringes and not do anything um, anything too crazy, anything too significant. Do you think they got better? Do you like the work that Brad True Living did?
2: I, I don't think they're any different. Like I, I think when you are talking about improving on the margins, if you could make a, a few of those trades, if you, you know, do it in volume, maybe you can add up and say, here's a tangible percentage that we are better. The truth is the Flames never played themselves into a position to do anything more than that. Mm-hmm. They haven't, for any significant or consistent stretch of time this year, said, Brad True Living, you need to go out and help this team because they're not they haven't shown they have the goods. And it's it's not just it's, it's not just the goaltending and that's a huge part of it. I've said this many times too. I think they're 10 points better this year. If they get better goaltending from Jacob Markstrom, they've also been so mentally fragile, the blown leads in the third period, the one thing goes wrong. And we've reached our pets, heads are falling off stage. Like it's, it's night after night and it's it's frustrating to watch and i'm sure it's even more frustrating to be in that room and be managing this team because on paper this team should be so much better than they are and they just haven't been able to put it all together
1: there uh there have been some some different speculations since the deadline has passed that the flames might've been close or might've been interested in some other things. Did you get the sense, Frank, that they were close or, or chasing anything else the, other than what they ended up doing?
2: I, I never, I never really know what to read into that, but I would say that every time I asked, every time I was checking in with people around the league, what are you hearing? What's going on in Calgary? What's Calgary up to? I never got an indication from anyone that they were seriously deep in on anything. I think they had checked in on a few different um, price points just to monitor the market, just to make sure hey, I, w- I want to in- ensure that this player is not going for nothing. But I don't ever get the sense that Brad Tree Living threw his hat into the ring for anyone in particular.
1: Okay, uh, and we're in conversation. No, that's not to
2: say I'm right. It's just like every time I ask, that's the information I
1: have. Yeah, absolutely. And they ended up making the two moves that they they did, and now we wait to see what the off season looks like. I'm curious because right now they are five out of a playoff spot, but realistically six out of a playoff spot because team they're really chasing right now is Winnipeg and Jets get a point on Monday, Flames get the two with the Tyler Toffoli buzzer beater. Um. I'm just curious what your sense of what the off season looks like. If the flames do end up missing here and, and don't put Jeez. together the, the miracle that they need to like, are you expecting significant change? Are you expecting things to kind of be as, as upheaved as what we saw last summer? I'm I'm curious as to what your sense is there.
2: Well, I, I mean, you're skipping the next six weeks, which I understand your eagerness to do. Um, And I I was one of those people that wondered last night, like, was that goal and that sequence from uh, Tyler Toffoli, was that a season-saving moment? Was that something that they can build off of? In order to really get to that, you know, hey, this team is is authentically in the mix, they need to reel off a bunch of wins in a row. So I understand why you're asking, and I know what the math looks like and why it's so daunting. But I, I think the biggest question revolves around their general manager why hasn't brad tree living signed an extension yet Mm -hmm. has he been offered a contract um i believe he has as do i signed it i i I, he he hasn't to my knowledge so like what what's happening and then more to the point if he's there i don't expect a a whole ton of change because i think my thought process would be, and I don't, am not speaking for him and I don't know what his thought process is, but, but like, why can't this team be the Winnipeg Jets of next year? That's they have what a tough season. They yeah. have a weird season. Yeah. And then they bounce back. And like, I know they've, they've been scuffling of late, but like, they're going to make the playoffs without almost any change Yeah. in a year where everyone was pounding their fists on the table. Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. What's happening? Someone's got to go and no one ends up moving and they're fine.
1: That's kind of where I am in terms of look, they they went through such an unprecedented off season and I think probably we didn't give it enough credence as to how long that might take to really come together. And maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but I think it's worth more than 82 games to see. And you've already signed the, the two big acquisitions in the trade to max deals. And you've already signed Cadre to a seven year deal. So I think it's worth it to see.
2: Well, well, and and that's just it.
1: Cause it's, it's not easy to do. I, I
2: think it all comes back to the coach. I really do. I think there's been significant issues in this, this team this year. And a lot of them have come back to either the coach or coaching decisions. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's been such a challenge to create chemistry. Um, they they He's been, he's really been at them all season long. And I think they needed a gentle touch to start the year. And I don't know that he knows what that is. And I just, I don't, again, they're, speaking of change and how do you affect it this is a coach that signed an extension prior to the season starting yes so are is is someone really going to have the green light to come in and whether it's brad shrew living or whoever it is the the next person are they going to have the green light from murray edwards and his team to, to gong the coach I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's a fair question to ask. I
1: do too. I and I don't. I I honestly don't know how to even read it because I think it's a a very fair question. I'm with you. I don't know the answer. I'm also with you. I I think there have been. I, I don't think it's been radio silence between team and and Brad. Throughout the year, I think they've they've checked in. I think there's been contract talks, um, and and this comes down to it's it's a two sided thing. I I continue to say that I believe, in my opinion, he should be back. I think that you put a team on a new trajectory like they did, like he did this summer. Uh, I think you deserve more than the first season after the deck of hands they were, deck of cards they were dealt rather to to see that vision through. I think it's more than a one season thing. I think you can do a whole lot worse than tree. And I, I think bringing him back oh, would be prudent, but it's not just the flames decision. There's, there's, there's another party it's a involved two
2: party. Yep. Yeah. It's a two party conversation. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is on the other end of that. Yep. What is he thinking? What is he feeling? Eight years, 10 months and seven days into his job as Calgary flames, general manager. I, I, maybe he feels like it's time for a change. Yep. I have no idea. And I, I think it's unfair to speculate on that. However, um, I just think there's so many things at play. And I think the coach is such a central figure in that. I think that's, it It has to have been a headache all season long for him.
1: I do think that that has about been Connor there.
2: Mackey. Yep. We just talked about Valimaki. Um, Valimaki. We've talked about, not enough, probably, but Jonathan Huberto and the season that he's had. Why is he playing on the right wing? Why, at times, does the fourth line go out with two minutes and 30 seconds left in a tie game? Uh, why does Why did Jonathan Huberto spend a chunk of the year playing with Milan Lucic? Like, the, the continuous decision to go with Jacob Markstrom. You could literally write a, a book on how this season has unfolded for the Calgary
1: Flames. And I think I think it's fair to suggest that there have been times when, multiple times when GM and coach have not been anywhere near the same page, whether it be Jacob Pelche sitting for as long oh. as he did. Now it's been 19, it'll be 19 consecutive games when he gets in against Minnesota. So that story has come along. But the Matthew Phillips situation, you mentioned Connor Mackey, so on and so yeah, forth. The, yeah,
2: what jersey does he wear? I mean, go down, like... I think, if anything, the general manager has been very respectful of the role of the coach in that I provide the players. He makes the lineup decisions. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I don't know. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for some of those conversations because I think it's pretty clear that that Daryl Sutter has said this is my team and I'm going to run it the way I want to.
1: Yep. Going to be a fascinating next six weeks and then going to be a really fascinating stretch after that depending on how these next six weeks go. It's uh, Frank Saravalli with us, our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesday. I uh, want to just uh, kind of jump around a little bit as to what we did or or in some cases didn't see at the deadline. Um, one of the deals that we we thought we were going to see, all of a sudden there was buzz that James Van Riemsdyk might be on the move. He does not end up getting dealt. What What do we know about... Then Reams and why he remains in Philadelphia.
2: Well, the, the pitchforks are out here in, in Philadelphia. Like <laughs> they yeah. fire fans are frustrated. They want a body on the tarmac here and they want GM Chuck Fletcher's head on a spike. It's that's, that is fact. That's what they're calling for. You can see it on social media. You can see the unrest in the fan base. Um, this put them over the top. They felt like there's been a lot of things that have happened over the last number of years that haven't been good and have set this team on the wrong course. And now this one, not getting anything for James Van Riemsdyk has been a tough pill for them to swallow. And what I'll say is my read of the situation and my understanding is the Flyers made a critical error in watching this market unfold. He should have been traded ten days before the deadline when you know you see Tarasenko go off the board and Jonathan Taves isn't gonna get traded, and then O'Reilly starts to to you know bubble to the surface, mm-hmm. and then Patrick Kane. Like that was the moment in time where you say, you know what? We're not gonna get left holding the bag here. I don't care if we look bad getting a third round pick, whatever the deal is, let's take it. And instead, I was told that the Flyers were asking for a second and a third. So he lingered on the market all that time. And it goes back to what I was just saying right at the top of the segment, which is the the Flyers overcooked the market in that there were no teams left really by Friday that had that kind of a need and were willing to part with additional assets to trade for a player that has a $7 million cap hit by running his hit through a third-party broker. Mm-hmm. The number of teams that could actually take on the full $7 million hit was quite low to begin with, let alone to run it through a third-party team and to pay more. It was an obstacle and a hurdle that teams just didn't feel the need to clear, and they waited too long.
1: hmm I would imagine that you are not surprised because you've been saying this, I want to say for two or three months now, uh, not surprised that Eric Carlson remains in San Jose. Speaking of complicated trades to make, as much as he would have loved to be dealt to a contender, it, it was almost impossible to make that work.
2: I'm not entirely sure what the San Jose Sharks are doing. I would love to know more. Like I would love to understand it. Mike Greer is a man of few words. Um, I was shocked to hear them acknowledge that they valued the the quantity over the quality in a Timo Meyer trade. Like, if you're the Sharks and you are beginning to tear this thing down to the studs, what what does quantity do you? You need you need quality pieces, impact players. Mm-hmm how many big name players have we seen get traded over the last 25 years for like seven pieces in return and exactly none of them amount to anything. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case. Clearly they're big believers in Shakir Mukamadoulin, the defenseman that they get back. And he's had good numbers in the KHL. And I understand all of that, but between that, the high asking price for Eric Carlson, like sky high, like unmovable high. Yeah. Plus the Nemesnikov deal, which was so strange, taking on Nemesnikov in exchange for Mikey Esimont. I don't know what Mikey Essimont is or isn't. He seems to be an analytics darling. And the fact that Tampa Bay of all teams, one of the smartest teams in the league, is calling you and trying to acquire this player from you. I get that Esimont didn't have the runway in San Jose with the games remaining, to count as anything other than a group six ufa mm-hmm. but again for a team that has cap issues and whatnot why are you giving up this player just re-sign him to a cheap deal and keep him and find out for yourself instead of trading him to tampa for nemestikov who got traded for the fourth consecutive deadline in a row for the same exact return which is a fourth round pick yeah what
1: <laughs> it's a fair response
2: i i i what what is that yeah how is that fourth round pick helping you mikey esimont who might become something maybe not maybe he's nothing but it's the same shot as a fourth round pick right i'd rather at least have a player that you know has made it to the nhl
1: and a player that you know on top of that that you know pretty well um what uh we, when you sum up the work the nashville predators did and here they are uh we we had this conversation uh in a prior hour but you know, there, there's a lot of Flames fans who are very much like, oh, geez, I hope they tank, or I hope they don't play well, or I hope they lose a lot of games down the stretch. And basically our rebuttal was it's kind of tough to affect that at this point. You can't really start shutting players down when you still have mathematical life and are where you are. And then we started talking about Nashville and, and David Poyle and Barry Trotz dealt away Eckholm and Genot, and they they and they, they made their they made their big moves. Need a rider to Winnipeg. And yet, here they are, they're still winning hockey games. They're doing a horrible job at tanking, if that's what they're trying to do. But what uh, what did you make of the overall work of the Predators and how they went about the lead-up to the deadline?
2: I would say they did a really strong job once they made a definitive choice to sell. They got a ton of picks back. They seemed to capitalize on the market. They maximized what they could get essentially getting the equivalent of two first round picks for teners. You know, it's one first rounder plus the two, three, four, and five, which essentially equates to one late first rounder. Nino Niederreiter gone, got another first, and a recent first round pick in Reed Schaefer, and Tyson Barry back for, for Matthias Eckholm. I thought so much of what they did made sense. And let me give you some additional added perspective. And I, I'm such a big fan of David Poyle. So mm-hmm. when I say this, um, it's not meant at all to be critical of him and his situation, but if you look at and contrast this to the Calgary flames and this position that Brad tree living was in this year at the deadline, after making so many moves and being in the final year of his deal and not knowing what's going next, you could have said, well, in his spot given his own personal nature, meaning his own personal situation, that he should have went all in. What does he care what this looks like four years from now with the picks that might be coming? He should have done everything he could after spending all that he did to ensure that he got impact pieces to make sure the Flames get in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the wrong way to approach it. That's not what his fiduciary obligation is as the manager of this team and for the organization. And I say that because when you bring it back to Nashville, if you think the way that this team has languished in this slow bleed out the last number of years since they went to the Stanley Cup final, had David Poyle not been in years 35, six, seven, eight, and nine of his NHL GM career and been searching for the elusive Stanley Cup, anyone sort of viewing it from a 30,000 foot view would have approached it differently and said, this is a moment that we need to begin selling. And I think maybe from a Preds fan perspective, I understand the business constraints that they are under in that market. They're different than a lot of other places. They need to sell tickets. They need to remain on the playoff hunt that it's easy to say from here. Mm -hmm. But I think, if you park the individual notion of what that quest was for that person, maybe this exact conversation should have been had a few years ago.
1: Interesting. Um,
2: Fair or unfair? I think,
1: I think there's some fairness to that because it felt, it's felt for some time like it was going in this direction, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, how do, would they make all the trades and sign all of the, the long-term contracts that they did had they've really logically viewed this team and said we're not really a contender this trade isn't going to make us a contender what's our best best path to becoming a contender mm-hmm. you probably would undo a lot of things
1: yeah the duchene one right at the top of the list for me
2: oh i mean go down the list tourists um,
1: yeah forgot about that
2: what would you would you have traded philip forsberg last year at the deadline like Think about what they got for Timo Meyer in San Jose. Like I don't like the return, but a bunch of teams made really strong offers. What could you've gotten for Philip Forsberg mm-hmm. last
1: year? Yeah, yeah. I just
2: think you have to unravel it and take a step back and say, well, there's different managers that are under different constraints and goals and pressures, and it's all—it's not all equal.
1: Yep. So uh, now that the deadline is come and gone, what uh, what are we watching for? What what are the interesting stories outside of playoff races and kind of the on ice stuff? What are what are we watching for? What are some of the things that you'll be tracking in the next uh, five or six weeks as we move towards the 2023 postseason, Frank?
2: I'm coming up with a list myself. We've got GM meetings next week in South Florida. Okay. Uh, I think there's the potential for a couple interesting debates, rule debates or conversations to be on tap. And I'll talk to you from, uh, from Palm beach next Tuesday. Okay. Uh, I would say the playoff races are front of mind for all is the field in the West with those eight teams essentially already set. That's a big question mark. Um. I keep seeing these ESPN NHL rights holders, John Butchergross and Kevin Weeks continue to tweet teasers about Atlanta and Houston as expansion destinations. Is the league actually changing its posture on expansion? Is the cash influx that intoxicating to consider a 33rd and a 34th team? (laughs) I checked in with NHL sources today and, They say that their stance has not changed and they do not understand where this is coming from. Okay. But uh, just another storyline to keep your eye on, I suppose, because being uh, rights holders, I can't imagine they're also tweeting it for no good reason.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's been very interesting
2: as well. Well, every time I see it, my brain explodes a little bit on the inside. So
1: To think that the NHL would have more teams in the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA would be hard to wrap your head around at 34. It would
2: be really sad. I think you could really make the argument that with the Kraken coming in, it, it, it showed a real watering down of the league.
1: Yep. I think 32 is enough. <laughs> no. And you've got a couple of organizations that aren't even going great guns right now. I mean, I know that there's this hope that Arizona somehow it's an embarrassment. Turn, but the, look, Mullet Arena, cool, awesome, good atmosphere. You're yeah, playing cool in front of for
2: six months.
1: You're playing in front of five thousand like, people. The, it's the NHL.
2: In the same way that POGs were cool in the nineties. Like it's cool for six it's cool for five minutes.
1: Pogs might not have even lasted five minutes, let's be honest.
2: I dude, I love POGs. You, you always had the hammer back in the day, you just throw that down. Do you
1: have one of the aluminum slammers? Those things were the best. Oh
2: yeah. The, the, yeah whatever they're called the hammer slammer yeah. whatever
1: first one i got you
2: walk around like an idiot carrying your pogs around a big oh yeah tube in your backpack
1: schooling the grade two kids when you're in grade six let's go uh yeah, we're
2: playing for keeps on the bus today buddy bring it on
1: <laughs> i'd usually give the pogs back if they were in grade two
2: uh on that front
1: uh great stuff uh good to hear from you frank we'll uh, talk to you next week in florida great work leading up to the deadline hey
2: Thank you, pal. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to
1: you next week. He is Frank Saravalli. Great stuff, as always, from our NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays on Flamestock. A ton of meat on that bone today, and he's always brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthtrailChrysler.com.
2: This is Flamestock.
1: I don't think, to this text point, I don't think anybody's disrespecting Pogs. That
0: was the go to at hockey.
1: Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
2: Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Talk, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Cal and Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. It's Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you on this Tuesday edition of the program, and I've got an honest question because I don't know the answer to it, and I'm still determining and uh, discovering and trying to figure it out. Who is the best team in the Western Conference? Or maybe maybe a better question is, who is the team that scares you the most in the Western Conference? Because I think one is easier to answer than the other. Um, I, like, when you ask who the best team in the Western Conference is, at least for me, I don't know if I can give you a, a straight-up answer that I feel confident in. When I say, who is the team that scares you the most, I've got a little bit more of an idea because i think the team that scares me the most is colorado but i don't know if right now especially because we don't know if they're going to be healthy or not uh i don't know if they're uh, if they're the best team in the western conference this is a this is a really interesting uh a really interesting west this year and one that we have not seen this wide open in quite some time
0: conundrum and an enigma all wrapped in one your question patrick you've really got me spinning tires here because you're right, if you said which team scares me, to me it's between two. It's the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and it's the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisheidel, and more offense than you know what to do with. Now, those two teams, as it stands right now, based on points, not points percentage, but just points, are the one and two wild card teams in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So they're not even in the top three. In their respective divisions, whether it be the Colorado Avalanche in the Central, the Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific, those teams are both four-place teams in their own divisions. So to call them the best is like, well, look at the standings. Now, if I had to play either of them in a seven-game series, eh, I might be, might be hesitant to jump headfirst into that sort of matchup. But right. then you have your other question, who's the best? Who's the pure best team? Well, Vegas and Los Angeles are tied for the most points. Dallas comes in at third as the Central Division leader. But let's run through the Pacific Division. Vegas has goaltending issues and they've got injury issues. Los Angeles has do goaltending know, issues. Do we
1: know if, if Logan Thompson is going to be back for the playoffs? Like, are Are we confident that's going to happen?
0: I don't have a definitive answer. I would think yes is just an immediate response, but I can't say for sure. To me, even if he is back, it's still a rookie goalie in the playoffs. For so sure. there's a question mark for me, although we did see how that worked out in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year with the Calgary Flames and Jake Ottinger. But running through the list, Vegas has goalie and injury questions. Los Angeles has goalie questions. Seattle they, has they, goalie they questions. They have,
1: if we kind of go team by team on them,
0: okay. LA has done a nice job of... Insulating.
1: And and upgrading, right? Like they well, started with... Well, I would suggest... Corpusalo? Corpusalo and Copley are giving them better goaltending than Quick and... Cal Peterson. Peterson did to start... Remember, they started the year with oh, yeah. Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson as their goaltending duo.
0: But neither uh, of Peterson
1: those... was horrid, got sent to the American League. Right now, Corpus Allo, um is... He's played once. Copley's save percentage has dropped. He's back below 900. He kind of stabilized them for a little bit. But Corpus Allo in 27 starts this year is at a 913. I like them better with Corpus Allo and copley than i did with quick and peterson quick save percentage was 876 peterson's was 868 so they are better but there's it's still not their strength i agree with
0: you yeah and if you're relying on Corbisalo, i'll do respect to lead you to the stanley cup finals i'm not sure he's the guy for that i'm not sure they have one there then again i don't think seattle necessarily does we've talked about edmonton's goaltending ad nauseum then you have Calgary's goaltending, which is like the Pacific division on its own is a goalie sort of nightmare right now in terms of what it is versus what the expectation was coming into the season. I think that's fair to say. So there's no definitive team in the Pacific where I go, oh yeah, I can get behind that and a run to the Stanley Cup final. Having said that, I look at the central and outside of Colorado, who literally is in the last spot in terms of playoff contention right now with the second wild card. I'm not really afraid of anybody in the central too. And I guess to answer your question, and maybe I'm doing uh Gustafson, a little disrespect in Minnesota in the tandem with Mark Andre Fleury, but I might lead to who's the best team, one of Dallas or perhaps Winnipeg because, because they're goaltending Ottinger Hellebuck, but also in Dallas and you've got the list you got Robertson hints, Pavelski, Pavelski yeah. Sagan, Ben in Winnipeg. I'm a big Shifley guy. I'm a massive Shifley guy, Nick Ehlers. Um, I don't know necessarily the status of Cole Perfetti because I believe he's injured right now as well. And I mean, he's young, so I don't even know if you lump him into the core there, but there's a lot of upside in that lineup too. Um, Minnesota, Kaprizov, yeah, he's a world-class player. He's one of the top 10 players in the NHL right now, so you have that as well. But to circle it all right back, I don't have an answer for you on who's best. I just know who I'm terrified of, and that'd be the Colorado Avalanche or the Edmonton Oilers.
1: If, if the Avs get healthy, which I think they will. Like, Landis yeah. skating again, so he's probably going to be back. McCarr's a minor injury, and, and so he's kind of been in and out. And I think that we're expecting McCarr to be as close to 100% as you can get come postseason
0: time. And they'll take all the time in the world with him.
1: Exactly. McKinnon, Rantanen, um, Taves. You know, I... I Georgiev's had a really nice year for him. And, and I think, I mean, they won a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper. So I, I think they're very much even across the, the board when it comes to their goal. The Chris
0: Osgood sort of scenario where you just need good enough in net because you've got everything else around them. Exactly. And, and, no disrespect, Chris Osgood.
1: And and no not even disrespect to Kemper, who... You take a look at those numbers in the second half of the season. He was uh, above a 930 guy, and he faltered a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I, I think at times they won games in spite of him in the playoffs, but who cares? They won the Stanley Cup, and so he did enough for them to win a Stanley Cup. Um, but it's it's just, as Jeff and Lethbridge writes in at 960-960, it's got to be Colorado, and it's actually crazy how stacked the East is comparatively. Yeah. I cannot remember a year covering this league full-time that the Eastern Conference has been so disproportionately better than the Western Conference. Almost every powerhouse exists in the East. Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, New Jersey. You can even put the Rangers in the end. Definitely, with uh,
0: Tarasenko and Kane additions before the deadline. Oh, You've got six
1: powerhouses right now at 600 winning percentages or more.
0: And two of those are going to get bounced in the first round by way of the divisional matchups 2-3. And as it stands right now, the Rangers and the Devils are set to meet, and one of them isn't advancing. Toronto and Tampa Bay are set to meet, and one of them in. isn't advancing. Like, that's a, that's a heavyweight title fight in the first round. If you're an Eastern team, you've got to beat three really good teams to have a chance. It's almost going to be like a, an Eastern final three times in a row, especially if you're one of those middle division teams.
1: Well, and if you're Florida... Washington,
0: oh. Ottawa, Buffalo, Pittsburgh,
1: or the Islanders who are fighting for those two wild card spots because I think that you can lock in your six division teams. Yeah, right now the wild card race is wide open. The Islanders have the number one wild card, but they've played sixty five more than anybody in the Western Con- Eastern Conference. Rather, it just it's I would want I would want to do any, anything I could to be a non wild card team, but you don't really have a choice at this time. And so you're playing if you're I really want Buffalo to get in. More than Ottawa? I want but I, I honestly no disrespect to Sid, no disrespect to Bo Horvat and the Islanders. But give me Buffalo and Ottawa as my two okay, wild cards. In the okay.
0: East. But it's,
1: have fun playing Boston and Carolina in round one.
0: I mean, you still gotta play the games, but it's crazy to think of that wild card race. And you're talking about the one in the West. It's really three and a half teams again. No disrespect, Nashville Predators, and I'm pulling for you. But in the East Four points separate the first wild card from the sixth team in that chase. Mm -hmm. That's a four point. Any given night, three or four teams are changing orders based on wins, losses, tie. well, not ties, shootout losses. They call them ties. I'm I'm all loser points. I mean, if you want to be mean, I mean, you still had to win the point. You just lost the other one. Pat the bully. If you say so. Um, East is a murderer's row west. And, and I mean, maybe that lends credence to the just find a way in in the West, and anything can happen. Because I mean, Calgary played Dallas last year in the first round. That went seven. It was a good challenge for the Calgary Flames. They came up on top. Came out on top. But if you can just find a way to sneak into one of those two wild card spots, I don't think any team in the West is like automatic win Mm -hmm. put them down you know this one's going to be a sweep in four and they're going to be waiting a week for their next opponent i don't get that sense whatsoever in the west in the east Uh, who's the waste of eight days team this year in the west or in general general in
1: general is it boston
0: oh yeah boston's lost eight times in regulation this year i know eight of 62 games (laughs) have been a loss in regulation they They're on a ten-game winning streak right now. They're, they're they won going, ten in a row,
1: which is just like, uh, and
0: that's and that's huh. like a, that's like a Tuesday for them. Oh well, they yeah.
1: won ten in a guess, row. Guess
0: we're gonna go win again. It's got to be Boston, far and away. They're they're gonna threaten the wins record. The yeah, NHL, they, the historic they're on, they're on NHL wins for, record.
1: They're on pace for uh, historic numbers here. They're the fastest team ever to 100 points when they did it in what 61 games or yeah, 61 games to 100 points. Uh, Which got them to forty
0: games above five hundred that night. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, forty games above five hundred. Just the forty. No big deal. They've got an eight thirty one points percentage, second in the league. And I'm just quickly doing a scroll to make sure I'm not sending out misinformation. Carolina at seven thirty eight. Boston's first at eight thirty one. They're almost a full hundred points higher than the second place team. Well, and
1: the crazy thing about Boston is, you know what? The number one wins or points percentage clip in NHL history is hit me the 1976-77 powerhouse Montreal Canadiens with Guy Lafleur and that group they had an 825 points percentage
0: La- and- Larry Robinson Ken Dryden am I, am I a am, sound, I, am sounds, I in that
1: wheelhouse yeah it sounds about right what was me. their
0: I don't know if you have it and apologies for putting you on the spot do you have their goals for against differential because uh, Boston as it stands right now and I'm going to drag this sentence out as long as I can to give you some googling time so the 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 win
1: loss differential that year for Montreal
0: what's Boston's Boston's 49-8 and 5 right now
1: I know but what's their what's their goal differential Oh plus asking? 105 yeah the the Habs that year were plus 260 <laughs>
0: I'm guessing that one's never going to be challenged. Uh,
1: by the way, that 76-77 uh, Habs team. And they didn't
0: win every game?
1: Plus 240? You have to lose every once in a while. Guy Lafleur, Steve Schutt, Larry Robinson, Gila Point, Jacques Lemaire, uh, Peter Mahovlich, Doug Risebra, Yvonne Cornway, Yvonne Lambert. What's Kejon the mood Hull, in the dressing Mark room Conway. after a
0: loss for the Montreal Canadiens that year?
1: And yes, Ken Dryden was their goaltender that year. Makes sense. I can't imagine. Wow. They're Bob Ganey.
0: Win or lose, we booze. Is that the, is that the Montreal Canadiens that season? Jeez. That is um, dynamite. And, and here we are, the Boston Bruins, the 2022, 2023 edition of the Boston Bruins are flirting with that wins record. Yeah.
1: And, uh, the Red Wings own the record for most, well, Red Wings and Lightning own the record for most wins in a single season when they each had 62 And both teams went out in round one that year. I believe in round one, the Red Wings in 95-96 went out to San Jose, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that sounds
0: exactly right.
1: And uh, obviously, we remember Tampa Bay got swept by Columbus Columbus. the year that they had 62 wins. Now, they won two Stanley Cups after that. um, So so Pat Steinberg
0: right now is on record as saying the Boston Bruins are going to lose in the first round.
1: Well, if history is any indication, they must be. I don't I don't like Buffalo Ottawa or Senators Ottawa or upset Florida or the Islanders or P- Pittsburgh or any of those teams to upset the Bruins. Maybe the Penguins if they can get their goaltending figured out.
0: Oh boy, I just heard that the Ottawa Senators are sweeping the Boston Bruins as per Pat Steinberg. Hey, I would love that. The Sens are the Sens and Sabres, man. I am dialed on those
1: two teams. Well, I, they're
0: fun. They're th- fun teams.
1: Can you give me I you know what and this is not a knock on Ottawa because Ottawa's building is is actually quite good in the playoffs. They get into it there. But give me that building in Buffalo in the playoffs. One of the best atmospheres in the NHL. Give me the Sabres back in the playoffs with Tage Thompson and that group, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Like let's go. I don't I don't know if they're going to do it, but they're the team that I would really like to. Ottawa too, but Buffalo is the team that I'm on the full on bandwagon for
0: not to go completely sideways on you, and I know you talked about it with Frank Mullet Arena, but could you imagine Mullet Arena in a playoff series against say a Canadian team and then you have two hundred twenty five hundred fans from Edmonton and twenty five hundred fans from Arizona just going back and forth? That would be like a throwback old school college hockey you separate the uh sections in the arena so. All the fans are of one team are on one side. All the fans of the other team are on the other. That would be wild.
1: Uh, a couple of texts. Jim says, when Matthew misses the playoffs, does he follow Brady around?
0: Oh, my goodness. What a... Okay, now I'm all in on Ottawa. All in. He has to. His brother set the standard. True. Yeah, brother, Brothers got to support brothers. We heard that. And I remember, actually, Brady getting a little... Blowback, if you will, for like cheering on the Calgary Flames while well, he was cheering on his brother. That's this the one. Exception. Would, this
1: one would be a little different because Florida and Ottawa are tied in points right now. If all of a sudden Matthews following around Brady or Brady following around Matthew, no, in you the got playoffs, it. To quote, this one was di- different. Conferences lasted this. I, that that might go over less good.
0: To quote, gone in sixty-seven, gone in sixty gone, seconds. Gone in sixty sevens. Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. A brother's love is a brother's love.
1: I have never seen Gun in 60 Seconds or.
0: I just gave you the best part. You're good to go
1: now. Or any of the Fast and Furious movies. A couple of texts at 960, 960. This says it's like the West needs to put together an all star team to challenge for the Cup this year. <laughs> <laughs> kind I mean, of feels like that. Like um, a little bit. When asking who the best team in the West is, a healthy Colorado followed by an interested Dallas. Dallas can be a little lazy, maybe a little unfit from time to time. Uh, apparently that's Hoke and Lube texting us. Um, mm. This says, sadly, it's the Oilers and the Avalanche if they get healthy. Um, and the only question I have, I, I I like Edmonton's blue line significantly better than I did prior to the Eckholm deal. That was the exact deal that they needed as much as we don't like to say it. Um, I mean, they, pay, they paid the know, price. They sure did, but that's exact. You had to pay the price. Yeah. Had they paid more than that, it still would have been the right deal because you have got to do everything in your power to maximize ninety seven, especially with what he's doing right now. So, so with the way McDavid is playing, they they made the right choice. I I like them a whole lot better on defense. We obviously know what they can throw at you in the scoring department. And maybe Skinner saved their season. He really has. And maybe Skinner's the guy in the playoffs, because Edmonton looks dangerous. I can't sit here and tell you that's not true.
0: Now to just throw a quick wrinkle. If Calgary plays at 750 and steals that second wild card spot, how dangerous are they as it pertains they'd to who's very, available in the they'd West? They'd
1: be very dangerous, and then all of a sudden we could be talking about what they look like on paper again, and why on paper we were saying they might be a little bit more of a difficult out than we thought they were going to be uh, coming, in, or, or 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 than we thought they were last year. You know, if all of a sudden the Flames make it, I think that conversation exists again. Fair enough. <laughs> He's Aaron. I'm Pat. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. For Mr. Vickers on Twitter, at Vickers. For our outstanding producers, Cam Hughes and Taylor Dingman, that'll wrap up this hour of Flames Talk, which uh, has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock & Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock & Safe. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com.